Well, one of the uh, deep convictions of my life has to do uh, with the local church. And, uh, and I'm someone who is firmly convinced that when the church is being the church, when it's operating according to God's design, that there is nothing else in the world that's like it, that, uh, that nothing else can take the place and nothing else can even come close to, to replicating what, what happens on the local church level. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about just a church service, right? That church service that we're in right now, that, that once a week event that takes place for an hour or so on a Sunday morning, that's good, it's important, it's critical, it's part of it, but when you talk about church, it's a whole lot more than just an event once a week. God designed church to be more than an event to go to. He designed it to be a community to belong to. And uh, what happens in that, in that community is, is pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's in that community where the living God makes his presence known. He manifests his presence within his people. It's, it's where people hear this message about a God with a love that's so fierce that he broke into our broken world to be our savior. And Jesus went to the cross. He gave up his life to pay the full price for our sin, for everything that separates us from God. So people like you and like me can, can live out our lives connected to our creator instead of separated from the God who created us. And, and we can learn to live out that full and abundant life that he intends for us to have. Um, church is where people grab hold of a new identity, an identity in Christ where we are seen by God as his beloved. Such a beautiful and powerful word. That is your status that's there to grab hold of and live out the moment you put your trust in Jesus, beloved by God. And that applies as much on your worst day as it does on your best day. It's, it's God's unconditional love. It's, it's who you are in Christ. You're beloved. And, and God doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. And that's what makes grace so amazing and and it's transformational. You know, when, when that kind of love starts pouring into a person's life, that life starts changing in all kinds of ways. Hurts start healing. What's wrong starts being made right. It, it gives the strength to rise above those things that are dragging us down. And, and hope starts rooting and planting and, and blossoming. And, and all of that stuff happens because of the life of a local church, what happens? Church, church is, where, is where people come to understand that they are redeemed for a reason, right? Not just to hang out and wait for heaven, but to do something, that God has an agenda in this world and he intends through his people to accomplish that, things that matter for eternity that he wants through each one of us to accomplish. Uh, that's, that's just a very small sampling the kind of things that happen in the life of a local church. God designed church to be a, a redemption center, a place where, where his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, in a small way, in a, you know, just a small reflection of that. And, and I got to say, it's not always easy. 
most of the time, it's not easy, but, but it's good. And, and it's, a, it's a big part of why I've invested probably the majority of my adult life to seeing that kind of supernatural community uh, take shape. And, and it's such a blessing to see it take shape um, and lived out in this church community. So um, some of you know the story of how we got this building. Uh, I'm not going to go through that whole story, but I want to share one part of it. So this, this building, when it was a dilapidated old lumber yard, ended up being donated to our church. It was a pretty amazing thing um, that got a mixed reception from a lot of people in the community here um, because this property was being taken off the tax rolls. And for some people, that's all you can see is just dollars and cents. You know, um, so we were closing on the building. The guy that was giving it to us, we were in the office with him, and his lawyer was lamenting out loud that it came down to this, you know, that he had to donate it to a church. And in his mind, what he said was that, you know, this building was kind of the last hope for the town of Kent. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. I think it is. And he says, but now that hope is gone because it's going off the tax rolls. And I responded and said, well, you know what? That's, that's not kind of the way I see it. I see it a little bit differently. I said, I think that this may be the greatest thing that ever happened to the town of Kent. Um, because here's the thing. When the church is being the church, it changes things. It impacts a, a strong church helps create a strong community, a place where, where kids can come and grow, where, where marriages can be strengthened, where needs get cared for, where, where challenges can get worked through, conflict can get resolved. And so a church that's strong leads to a stronger family, stronger neighborhoods, stronger schools, you name it. And I'm like, you think you can put a price tag on that? You know, but uh, you know, that, the level of impact it's just, it's, it's hard to put a price tag on, right? That this is what happens as people believe, as they belong, as they become, as these are the things that happen in the life of a local church. And the key factor to it all is that the church is being the church. That's the critical thing, that, that it's, it's operating according to God's design. And the question then is, well, what is God's design? We want to make sure we're reflecting that. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we've been making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, the series is called Growing Pains. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a, to a kind of a, an immature, childish church that needed to grow up. He says, guys, this is how we do it. And, uh, and the Corinthians, they were a little bit confused when it came to how do we do this thing called church? How do we live out life together? How is this thing supposed to function? Their church was more like a, kind of like an episode of America's Got Talent. You know, it's like a competition to see who's the best, who can get on stage, who can wow them the most, who's got the best talent, who's the most impressive, and put the spotlight on that. That's... That's, that's what the church was revolving around, and it was causing all kinds of problems. They were missing the point of how a church works. And so Paul, in this passage we're looking at this morning, shares this real simple illustration to break it down for them so they can comprehend it. And, and the blueprint that he shares 
is the human body. That, that God designed the church to function the same way a human body does. So the body, your body, everyone's body is a living organism. It's made up of different parts. Um, each of those parts do different things. And yet somehow they all work together in a coordinated way to accomplish a common purpose. He says, bingo, that's it. That is the way church is designed to work. That's how the body of Christ is what he calls it, is created to function. So, so let's read about that. If you have a Bible, open up to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It'll be right here on the screen behind me. And um, I'm going to read uh, the first few verses. And one of the fun things about a passage like this is not only to challenge. I hope there's some challenge this morning, but... As I'm going through it this week, I'm just like celebrating uh, the community that we have here, the, the way that uh, we do church here, um, that it is together, uh, good things are going on, and so I just want to celebrate that as well. So here's what it says uh, in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So, so as he's introducing this analogy, this illustration, there's this clear call to belong, to be connected, that uh, it's part of this whole illustration of a body illustration. The Christian life is intentionally designed by God to be lived out together in community. That's what church is about. So it's like, it's kind of like football, right? You, you can like football, but you cannot play the game unless you're on a team. Uh, that's the way Christianity is. You can't have one without the other. It's not just about you and Jesus. If you belong to Jesus... You belong to the body. It's a package deal. And, and that works its way out to somehow being connected, engaged at the local church level. And so just to clarify, yes, that does mean that it does take more than watching a live streamed church service um, from the living room sofa to become the people God intends for us to be. But you knew that. You're just not here because something happened. I get it. I understand that. And that's okay. We're happy for technology. Um, but don't let technology substitute for being connected uh, to an actual physical church. Um, being connected is essential. It's, it's not optional. And, and a church just like a body, is this delicate balance of unity and diversity. And, and so biblical diversity is something this, this passage celebrates here, that there's both Jews and Greeks. They were worshiping together in this church in Corinth. They were both indentured servants and Roman citizens ministering side by side in the life of this local church. Now, outside the church, they were divided, different classes. We don't kind of cross paths at all, but, but inside the church, it was different. They were united. They, they stood together hand by hand on common ground. See, what, what unites Christ followers together is Christ. 
That's what creates community. Or you could say it like this, I think, if you belong to Jesus, then you belong here. Or, or I might say, you're, you're my kind of people, right? It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter what kind of walk of life you come from. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear or what your background may be. Church is a place where if you belong to Jesus, you're going to be at home here. At least that's the way it ought to be, right? That's the beauty of how God designed his body to operate. And, and I, I love personally, again, looking at our congregation, that when, when we're here at Lakeview on any given Sunday morning, there are people from all kinds of places, uh, backgrounds, nationalities, ethnicities, and, and that's just something, that's something to celebrate. Uh, you know, our, our district, uh, we're a part of the metro district of the CMA, and our district puts a big emphasis on, on diversity, um, you know, biblical diversity, um, that it's a reflection of what the heart of God is to have people from every tribe, nation, and language worshiping Jesus. And I think when they come here to Carmel, New York, they set their expectations kind of low. You know, Carmel, suburb of New York, that's going to be pale white all day long and, you know, the same kind of people. And they come in and every time, every one of them says, Brian, I am impressed. And I'm like, well, good. And... And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're just making much of Jesus. That's all we're doing. We're just trying to make much of Jesus. That is the master plan. The rest is up to him. And uh, add to that, you know, we have young people here, right? And we're blessed to have our well-seasoned saints as well. Amen. <laughs> you guys are a blessing. We praise God for that. We have white-collared, blue-collared, no-collared we have Republicans and Democrats. We even, yeah, that's impressive, but we also have Mets fans and Yankee fans, right? Worshiping Jesus together in unity under the same roof. Praise God. And the only way that's sustainable is if we keep making the main thing the main thing. Right? And just to confirm, the, the main thing is not your political candidate. You knew that, right? Yes. It's, it's Jesus. Yes. Right? Yes. All those other factors, they're not what binds this place together. It's not what unites us. It's, it's Jesus. He's the reason we all come here. He's the one that gets us out of bed. And it's beautiful. This is what the body is, is like. And and I don't have to tell you, we are living in polarized times unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm not that old, but, you know, still. Um, but the divide in our country, it's, it seems like it's getting close to this point of fracturing. Um, and what an opportunity, because I feel like there is, there's no doubt about it that a united church is a testimony to a divided world. Just, just... Look at the kind of people who we have here in this place, worshiping God in unity together. That is a testimony in and of itself. Uh, now, we have our differences. That's okay. They don't disappear. Um, it's not the point. The point is that what unites us together is bigger than what divides us apart. Right? Jesus 
is the only category we define ourselves by. It's all about him, who he is, what he wants. That's what binds this place together. And so let me, let me just stop and ask, do you belong to the body, to the body of Christ? And to clarify, you don't belong to the body of Christ because you come to a church service. You belong to the body because your life is wrapped up in Christ, or the way Paul describes it in this passage, you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. That's a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, wherein he gives us new life and adopts us into his family of faith. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you've trusted personally in what he did on the cross for you, he puts you into the body of Christ. See, being good enough a person doesn't connect you You get connected because you've responded in faith to the grace of God. You've received his free gift of salvation. And if you've done that, you belong to the body of Christ. And if you're not there yet, I am glad you are here. And I hope and trust that you will take that step of faith as you see this lived out here this morning. So that's that's just a little snapshot of the body of Christ. This is what church is about. Let's keep on looking and, and see how, how it functions. And this is where this body analogy comes into full gear. I'll keep reading. It says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So it's kind of just going over, here's, here's how a body works. These are just the 101 kind of factors of body functioning. And it's a bit comical because here we have these personified body parts with with inferiority complexes, right? There's a foot that's saying because it's a foot and not a hand that it doesn't think it matters. And, And then there's an ear that because it's an ear and not an eye thinks it doesn't belong. Neither of them believe they're of any use to the body simply because they can't do what a different party part can do. So the idea is that that attitude can infect the body life of any church, right? It happens in a few different ways. One is when, when certain spiritual gifts get expressed 
and others get ignored. We looked at the spiritual gifts last week. This is a continuation of that. And it can also happen when we start just looking around and comparing ourselves to someone else and then think that we've got to be like that person instead of being who God created us to be and embrace the unique contribution that God shaped each of our lives to make. And that's, that's something that can easily happen, right? It's, it doesn't take a lot to just kind of look at a person who maybe just appears impressive, a person on a platform and think, man, I could make a difference too if only I were like her. Or that guy's so gifted. What, what that person is doing, that guy's really making a kingdom impact. I could never do that. So I can't make a difference. Now, there's a, there's a part of that that's true, and there's a part of that that's false. The part that's true is that you can't do what someone else can do. See, a foot can't do what a hand can do, right? Please, this morning after church is over, don't try to shake someone's hand with your foot. It's not going to go well. It's going to be awkward. Um, it takes a hand to do what a hand can do. That's true, but thank God you don't have to be a hand to make a difference. The body needs hands and feet, right? I didn't see anybody walk through the door this morning walking on their hands. You all used your feet to get here. Feet do what feet are made to do. Hands do what hands are made to do. The same applies to all the body parts, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and every part in between. One doesn't matter more than another. If that body is healthy, it's going to use all of the parts in appropriate ways. That's, that's the point. So the only way a body works is when each part is doing what that part's been designed to do. And so by extension, that's illustrating that the only way a church body works is when each of us are using the gifts God has given us to do the work that he designed us each to do. You can't do what God has designed someone else to do. You can only do what God's designed you to do. And that's what this church body needs. And so there's, there's good news in that, right? Is that you don't, you don't have to become someone else to make a difference, right? Now, don't take the wrong message from that. We're all on the growth curve. We're continually growing in the Lord, maturing in him. But God's is not intention is not to make you into someone else in order to use you, right? He's going to use you in the way that he shapes you. There is a ministry that he's uniquely gifted you to do, and that ministry matters just as much as anyone else's. There, there may be some of you that really need to hear that this morning, that a healthy church is a place where all the gifts are activated and appreciated. And whatever that gift is that God's given you, it matters and it's needed. So I kind of just thought this past week of all the things that get done on an ongoing basis in the life of, well, pretty much any local church, but how about the one that we're a part of here, right? There's, there's the obvious ones. There's the preaching and, you know, the leading the worship. And that's about it, right? 
That's all, it's, that's all required, right? Well, my list was a little bit longer. Um, floors need to get vacuumed. Coffee needs to get brewed. Bagels need to get picked up. Offerings need to get counted. Financial reports get run. Live streams need to get set up. Websites need to get updated. Doors need to get unlocked. People need to be greeted as they walk through the door. New believers need to get discipled. Guests need to get followed up with. People going through hard times need others to care for them, come alongside them and pray with them. Audio levels need to get adjusted, right? The slides for the worship songs, those lyrics need to sync up so that what we're singing is coordinated with what you're seeing on the screen, right? That matters. Uh, Bulletins need to get printed and, and handed out. Children need to get checked into their classes, and those classes need to get taught. Garbage needs to be emptied. Homes need to get set up so that they can host different groups, and students need to get chaperoned when they're going to youth events. That's, that's just the short list. And you know what an unhealthy church body responds when they hear those kind of lists? Well, isn't that what we hired the pastor to do? Don't laugh. I've heard that many times. You should see what people's job description of me is. But thank God I have a job description. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that the role is not to do ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I love that. It's like passion of my life. And what that means is that it takes all of us doing what each of us has been gifted by God to do best. That's what it takes for a church to be built up, to make a difference, to leave an impact. So the question is, what part of the body matters most? Actually, that's not the question, right? They all matter. So here's an example. The Yankees are having a bit of a difficult season this year. Any of my Yankee fans commiserating with me? There's a few. Now, of course, We're having a miserable year according to Yankee standards. Now, that means we're still on track to make the the playoffs, and we're still a whole lot better than the Mets. But anyway, um, (laughs) the marquee player of the Yankees, his name is Aaron Judge, and he has been on the bench on the IL since June 3rd. That's a month. That's not good, and... Their record shows it. Um, he still has a ways to go before he gets back. I saw, when the last report I look at, it says, Aaron Judge plays catch. I'm like, that has to be the most expensive catch <laughs> ever in the history of the world. And so, and so you like wonder, what kind of injury could have taken him out for that period of time? Like, he must have, like, broke his back, right? Or, or broken arm or had one of those, you know, shoulder problems. Um, You know what he did? He stubbed his big toe. No, actually, I got to be honest. It's a little more than a stub. He tore a ligament in his big toe, but still it's it's a big toe, right? And have you seen him? The guy is like a giant. He's literally, I think he's from the Nephilim. He's just big guy. And so his big toe accounts for about 0.2% of the real estate that makes up his physical frame. And so you kind of say, can't the rest of you make up for that one little toe? And the unfortunate answer for Yankee fans around New York is no. 
You can't. It's all it takes is a bum big toe to put the highest paid player in the history of the major leagues on the IL on the bench for over a month. But it's so true. What it shows is that there are no insignificant parts of the body, not our human body and not the body of Christ. Everyone matters. Each and every one matters. You matter. The gifts that God has given you to help build up this church matter. Because here's the thing, maybe you've noticed when people pray and they ask God, Lord, I need help with the situation that I'm in, whatever it is I'm going through. You know how God answers those prayers? There's a lot of different ways to answer the prayers, but a lot of times what he does is he works through a person. He works through one of you to answer the prayers of someone else. Sometimes he zaps it from the sky, I guess, but oftentimes he, he empowers his body to accomplish his purposes. And it's an amazing thing. That's the way God set it up. That's why there's, there's no non-essential members to the body of Christ. That's what it says at the end. I'm going to just read the end of the passage. It says this, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healing, helping, administrating, the various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? There's rhetorical, the answer is no, but he says, but eagerly desire the higher gifts. So the idea is that on our own, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make an impact, the kind of impact God's designed us to make. You are the body of Christ, it says, and that's all of you. That would be like if Paul were from Georgia. He'd say, y'all are the body of Christ, and then individually you me, each one of us, are, are members of the body of it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how gifted you are, how impressive you may be, you on your own, me on my own, all of us on our own are never going to be the body of Christ. We, we need each other. We, we have our own individual gifts, but, but none of us have all the gifts. We can do what we can do, and that's why we need to be connected to others who can do what they can do, and only together do we accomplish God's purposes. And so let me just celebrate the things that are happening right now as this body of Christ is making an impact in the way that we are able to. Uh, I'm just blessed that we have the strong, empowered church body that we have here. I'm so grateful for it. I walk in on Sunday mornings, and there's so much going on. There's people who come, and after church is over, you know, you guys have been hanging out for a while, which is awesome. I see like 30 half an hour after church is over, there's people hanging out. They're sitting around tables. They're, they're not just hanging out. They're ministering to each other. There's stuff going on as they're pouring into each other's lives, investing in each other's lives. On, on Saturday morning, there's a men's group 
when they meet and they're, they're ministering to each other. Um, there's women's groups that, that are ministering to each other. And, and generally speaking, it's not all the time true, but the less the pastor is directly responsible for, the healthier the church body typically is. And so I just want to say thank you for the good things uh, that are going on. And then I also want to say, uh, you know, as a church body, we have needs, right? And, and so we are always looking for people to fill the needs that we have because those needs matter. But there's another side to it, and that is that if you are a Christian, you also need to serve. You, you need to. It's not like just something that's an optional thing. If you are a Christ follower, we've already seen this, you have been custom-made by God to minister in a particular way, and you will be missing out. You will feel like there is something missing in your life because your life and how you're living it is out of sync with the way that God has gifted you, the passions that he's poured into your heart, the capacities that he's given you. And so you got to get from the sidelines into the game. And I guarantee you it is messy. It is challenging because it's going to involve people. And anytime there's people, there's bound to be problems. But also that's where God's Holy Spirit is at work and he's empowering. And he promised to use those efforts to make a difference for eternity. And it's good. And so, and so yeah, sitting on a Sunday morning, taking it in, listening, learning, all of that is good. Being ministered to is good. But it's not enough. So much of what God wants to grow you into, all of us into, to become the people he wants us to be, it happens in the context of, of ministering, of using the gift that he's given to us. Many of you know that firsthand. God's answer to someone's prayer is you. And this church is a better and a stronger place because of it. So thank you. And let's not stop. Let's keep at it because there is, there is a world of hurt that we are in, we're surrounded in, the needs, the hurts are all around us. And, and God's answer to the prayers that are being lifted up, somehow it's going to work its way out into how we do church here, the things that happen here, the ways that we use the custom-designed gifts that we've each been given in a coordinated fashion to live out God's call to accomplish his agenda. So let's go for it. Pray with me. Lord, 